Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. No surprise, the livestock market reacted to the WASDE report that we had out earlier in the day. Even though the markets on the on the grain complex have kind of, for the most part, turned themselves around, the struggle has been in this corn. But how has that affected the livestock side? We're going to get all the details today as Brad Coima joins us. He is with Coima, Coima and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa. So let's look at this. I mean, live cattle did... Okay, we mixed trade. The feeder cattle, though, on fire today. Yeah, they surely were. Uh, and as you uh, hinted there with your little uh, lead-in, uh, the feeder cattle probably influenced by a little bit of a lower grain trade here today. Um, at least a little bit of corn trade, rather lower. Um, uh, but we'll get to that later. But, yes, the feeder cattle acted good. There was actually times, Susan, where the, the, the live cattle were just fine, too. And then we just kind of withered again at the end of the day. We had a bit of that same kind of action yesterday i i think well first of all let's start with the feb cattle because i think that's kind of interesting uh given you know what the short-term news is so yesterday was the first day you could deliver against the february contract uh, february looks like a little bit of a wider basis a little bit of a premium to the cash that most of us are able to get uh, there was some 114 traded today on that pool trade in texas and kansas 114.20 to be exact um so there was um, but uh, the feeling that I'm getting is that those deliveries are probably going to be taken by pretty strong hands. Uh, it's interesting to me to, to look at the February cattle and say, well, geez, they look kind of high compared to cash. And then at the end of the day, they were the strongest thing up there. Uh, trust me, Susan, the, the futures traders are aware where the cash market is. So the fact that the Feb cattle were the strongest up there, I think, is still a pretty solid sign that you've got some pretty good underlying fundamental strength. So you look at that, I mean, the trigger for what we saw in the in the livestock today was that grain report. We've got so many other factors that are in there as well, including this ridiculous cold snap that is coming from the south all the way into the northern plains. Is that going to continue to eat away at this cattle market? Or actually, Well, yeah, no, I know where you're going here, I, I, and I think that's a good point. Um, you know, one, one of the, it, it, it's not as though we have a shortage of cattle right now. We, what we have is we've got um, extremely good demand. That doesn't even begin to describe it. Demand is phenomenal, okay? That's my view. Um, so, you know, it, so this is not a supply-driven rally. It's a demand-driven rally. Those are always the most difficult to, to uh, maybe as an analyst, uh, to fully understand or project. From a supply standpoint, we're killing plenty of cattle. And the other hitch here, of course, and has been for a long time, mostly because of the ideal weather until now, is that the average weight stays so ridiculously high compared to last year. Um, but I would think, you know, getting back to the heart of your question there about the cold weather, if this extended two to three weeks of cold weather and five and a half to six and a half dollar corn, depending upon where you live in the cattle belt, if that doesn't get us current and take weight off, then I give up. I don't know what will. I believe that that will happen in short order now, that we'll see some weight come off of the cattle because a lot of places, you know, if cattle are worth a dollar fourteen, your cost of gains more than that. You know, so it doesn't it doesn't make any economic sense to overstay these cattle at all. So, how current is it in the south compared to the north? Um, somewhat more so, but and, and again, you know, I, I hate to be that guy every time, but you know, all the all the turning cattle in the south, it's been easier for them to stay current um, up here. I mean, I, I'm in the business. I got fat cattle. You know, it, you struggle and struggle and struggle to. Um, you know, to, to get what seems to be a fair bid compared to the South and compared to what the basis is like. 
And then you get a packer that might say to you, well, we can't use your cattle because by the time we can kill them three weeks from now, they'll be too big. Um, so, you know, some of that frustration continues to be very real, uh, particularly across the north. Um, hopefully we can get that balanced out here a little bit. I'd like to think, uh, be a glass half full guy and think we're getting close to being able to do that. My view is also that the, you know, all this, this um, uh, speculation or talk that we had so many more cattle available in the first quarter across the north, I don't buy that. I think that the nice weather has pulled cattle forward. I think there's actually a few less cattle coming in March than we had in January. Um, so, you know, I remain both supply side and demand side optimistic. And I'm sure you and I will talk about more of this on the cattle call uh, later this week. But where are we sitting when it comes to movement uh, across the, the restaurant tables, the, the meat counters, with everything that still continues to go on with COVID? You know, it's interesting that for me it was we were gone over the weekend to Colorado skiing for a few days. And um, Colorado is about, you know, as strict, uh, I think, as uh, certainly more so than Iowa uh, and I think Nebraska. Uh, and uh, I tell you what, it's waiting lines every place uh, to, to, to go out to eat, as we did a couple of different times. <clears throat> is the restaurant trade normal? Not even close. Of course not. I don't mean to imply that. But what's happened, of course, is that the retail share of this deal, where it used to be kind of a blanket 65-35, I have really good people in that food industry that thinks that we've gained 8 to 10% of retail versus the, the hotel restaurant trade. So I... The other thing that's interesting about that, for me anyway, is that they tell they tell me that once you train a consumer or once a consumer gets into a habit, that habit stays that way uh, quite easily. And, and I think what you're seeing here is you've got a government that continues to send money, right, out, uh, stimulus money. Uh, so there are those that actually may have a little more disposable income than they might have had otherwise. Uh, they've gotten used to cooking a steak at home. They're finding out that at the end of the week they've got more room left in their food budget, uh, even if they've eaten pretty well at home a couple of times compared to going out to eat and maybe having a couple of drinks and everything else, right? You know, so, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think that that retail trade is pretty solid. And as you move forward then to, you know, maybe more opening up of restaurants, you know, it's not going to get worse, I don't think. You know, it's going to get better, right? We're going to get more vaccinations and we're going to get to warmer weather and, uh, you know, so I, I really think that the demand side of the story, Susan, is very much alive and well. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to come back. We're going to take a look at the WASI report, but we're going to finish up with what's been happening in the hog trade. Again, a mixed type of trade today, both on the grain and the livestock. Stick around. More's coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing the conversation with Brad Coima. He is with Coima, Coima and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa. So let's look at this cattle market, or excuse me, hog market before we jump to the grain side. Is there a short supply out there for hogs? <laughs> well, that's that's a leading question. <laughs> I know. You. you know, somebody's going to say, my gosh, they're killing 490,000 and we're going to talk about a short supply. I, you know, there's a fine line. It's a very good question because there's a very fine line I found over the years here of too many and not enough. That line is razor thin, right? So to answer your question, I'm going to say, you know, there's got to be an element of I have to say yes to that. <clears throat> it may not be right at this moment or tomorrow, uh, but <clears throat> we continue to hear from very good sources. And I'm sitting up here in the corner of Iowa here where you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a hog building, okay? You know, so... 
there is still some impact of of, of PERS, uh, of disease, uh, struggles with uh, 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 being able to access all the feeder pigs that, that they're normally getting, you know, through these contract environments, um, buildings that are not full. Um, you know, so <clears throat> I, I, I think that while there's by no means shortage isn't the right word, but I do think we're going to see a tightening of supply moving forward here uh, the next couple of months, which hopefully just a little bit's enough to make a difference. It almost always is. Uh, the other thing about the supply side probably is the weather. Uh, you know, I, it's been a little while since I've been actively in hog production, but I know when it gets this cold and you can't exchange that air quick enough, and when the cost of gains this high, uh, I, I think you know all of that's going to combine to take some weight off of this hog thing too. And that kind of leads into the the grain side of the complex. We had that WASDE report that came out today, and we'll if we have time allows, we'll look at soybeans. But from a corn perspective, what did you think of all the numbers today? Well, may I first of all, for a very brief moment, climb on my soapbox again and and talk about just how stupid it is to have this grain report released at eleven o'clock during the session. Uh, there, now I've said it. There's no reason. We could have it at 7.30 in the morning, you know, if that's what they want. If, if you're a broker and you're open and you've got all kinds of customers that want to see the same numbers at the same time, and to be able to have any kind of attempt to be analytical at all is impossible. There, sorry. You can cut that all out if you want to, Susan. But uh, I, I think we need to get, next time we get to fixing something here in my spare time, I'm going to try to see once if we can get the USDA to understand that they need to change the timing of these grain reports. Now, to your question, um, the the corn numbers, <clears throat> you know, so we got a negative reaction, I guess, if you call 7, 8 lower a rack, which it isn't after the kind of big move we've had. Um, we had a <clears throat> spidey man reports, okay, first on the supply, they didn't touch a thing. Same acres, same yield same production number <clears throat> as last month a yawner which it should be that's what normally a february report is on the usage side then we left feed alone uh which is the same as last month but less than a year ago which i find a little curious uh but hey whatever uh they left the crush and the ethanol usage exactly the same exports and you know remember two weeks ago when uh, china was buying the rear end off the market, right? Four days where they bought just an, an, an incredible, incredible number. Um, they did raise uh, the exports usage by 50. It was 2,500,000 last month, now 2,600,000 this month. Um, and that's where the kicker was. Uh, I think most of the guessers, analysts, thought that they were going to raise that export number by closer to 150 instead of just the 50. So we had a reaction here where we weren't quite as good as expectations, uh, you know, and then ended up with a a carryout or an ending stock number of 1.502 and the guess was 1.385. Now, it's still less than last month. Is that super bearish? I don't believe so. However, you got a market that's at a level, of course, Susan, where, you know, you need to, you know, you're running on high octane, right? You know, when you're at, if we were at 408 or something like that, it'd be different. But when you're at 570, <clears throat> you probably need to, you know, keep uh, throwing a lot of good news at the market. So I think that triggered a little bit of profit taking. Am I bearish? Uh, no, I'm not. I, I think, first of all, you can expect that maybe by next month, uh, the USDA may revisit that export number again and, and, and reconcile that a little bit with what business we have been seeing. Um, <clears throat> and I also think going into a springtime with the subsoil moisture situation the way it is, I think the market's going to be very, very nervous, you know, about uh, taking a lot of downside. The bean numbers, to be fair, uh, there just wasn't a whole lot. Uh, you know, it was actually, you know, the carryout was actually a hair less than they thought. 
left stuff pretty much the same. Um, and, and, you know, the beans continued on higher today, you know, 11 to 14 higher on the old crop months, so they traded just fine. So is there some nervousness out there? We might see a shortage, though, of soybeans? Actually, I think that that uh, is true for soybeans and corn both <clears throat> with what's happened here lately. Um, you start talking about using corn at the rate that we are, and we get that carry out under um, you know, under a, a, a million, at a, under a billion, that, that, that gets pretty daunting. Uh, the soybean deal, uh, too, is, uh, I, I would say that, as we've said over and over when we've done these reports, the overall supply situation of the beans is more friendly than the corn. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Brad? Hey, they can call us, 800-358-3047. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss. They're not suitable for all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.